Blog Talk Radio. What do you tell your children when evil has made a visit? How do you go from good to great? What is the single most important thing you can do for your hair in the winter to keep it healthy? It is Sunday, December 16, 2012, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane the show designed to inform and inspire you to great health. I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, MD, and I am so happy to be here tonight. We have a jam-packed half hour for you with lots of tips and information. You really want to stay tuned. As a disclaimer, I want to remind all of our listeners that this show is meant to educate and to inform. And nothing here should be used as a form of diagnosis and treatment. Now, first I want to say um, we've had lots of tragedy uh, this past couple of weeks. On a personal level, uh, I lost a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Amy Ho. I met Dr. Ho at Franklin Square Hospital Center in Maryland where I was an intern and she was my senior resident and she was just such a wonderful, wonderful soul. I have always felt that my life was better for meeting her because she was just wonderful. She would help with anything you wanted, just never said no. And I was just so saddened by her sudden loss. And I want to say uh, rest in peace and my prayers go out to her family. And, of course, uh, more tragedy you really had to have been under a rock recently to, uh, if you didn't hear about the recent tragedy in Newton, Connecticut, uh, where we lost many lives, including many, many young, innocent children. Uh, and this happened when a gunman entered an elementary school and started shooting. Well, tonight, uh, my guest host, Dr. Sarah Jenkins, who's a former radiation oncologist with training in psycho-oncology as well as psychiatry, and she's also a current cancer coach. And she is here tonight to share with us some of the tips that will help your kids get through this tragedy. Dr. Jenkins, what do you have for us? Yes, well, good evening, Dr. Diane, and thank you so much for having me once again. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I want to say hello to all your listeners out there in radio land, and thank you for listening. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what happened most recently on Friday, December 14th, you know, a day, as our president noted, uh, tore the innocence away from our children. Um, This was a very tragic incident, and I need to allay everyone's fears. I am not here to to, to belabor the issue and to talk about the details. I'm here to try to get people to heal after this incident. I'm here to try to help people um, normalize what happened and be able to move on. It's most important that we learn how to make lemonade out of lemons. And when you're given such a tragedy, it's very hard. It's very soul-searching to find a way to find anything good to come out of it. So, you know, recently we've had a lot of tragedies here in New York City. Uh, We had a hurricane. We had two hurricanes. 
Um, we had a small earthquake last year. We had 9-11, and recently we had the shooting at Sandy Hook, which according to the New York Times had left 20 children, 16 under the age of 6 and 4 of the age of 7, um, as well as seven adults who were killed with a semi-automatic rifle. And so, once again, you know, it's going to be like the uh, the the worry of um, the Second Amendment uh, is going to be rearing its ugly head once again. The Second Second Amendment stated, according to the United States Constitution. It is a part of the uh, United States Bill of Rights, and it protects the rights of people to bear arms. It was adopted in, 19, in 1791 along with the rest of the Bill of Rights. And it stated basically that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, which means, you know, people should be able, as long as the country is relatively regulated, people should be able to bear arms. However, in 1994, a, an assault rifle ban was uh, passed, and this greatly reduced the availability and prevalence of assault rifles in American society. However, they, you know, it was not maintained. The integrity of the Second Amendment was not maintained. And soon they started letting people obtain these automatic rifles. Um, the act was fairly successful, according to the Brady uh, report, and it stated that with the ban, there was successful enactment and that the use of assault weapons decreased by 66% from pre-ban rate. So you would expect that this legislation would continue. However, it expired in 2004, making making it possible for people to get assault weapons. So the legal and political debate will continue once again, but now let me get to how to restore a sense of safety in our children um, in the aftermath of such a mass shooting. Um, first of all, all children nowadays are much more savvy than they used to be in than we used to be in the past. I'm talking to people in their 50s and 60s. Um, you know, they have the internet, they have friends, they're they're watching TV. If you were watching TV on Friday from 9 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night pretty much, there was nothing else on. So most children are aware that something happened, that something terrible happened, that something scary and sad happened. And it's important for parents to normalize this to their children, to let their children simply know, you know, whatever you're feeling, Mommy and Daddy are probably feeling too. Do you want to talk about it? Um, I think it's important not to panic, not to feel that your children are going to develop a phobia from school because in reality, these incidents don't happen frequently. You know, the news is not going to report on the millions of kids that go home happy and that had a wonderful day in school. These are very rare incidents. And... Really, you can assure your children that you, as well as the school, are trying to make them safe in every way. 
And definitely, and although gonna... although these um, are rare, um, for the people that are involved, they don't seem rare at all. What would you say is the single most important thing that a parent could say to a child to make them feel safe in light of this tragedy? Show them all the love that you have shown them. Explain to them why it is you want them to call, uh, you know, when they're late. Explain to them why you call them when you're late. Explain to them that, you know, your love means that everybody else is in the same boat. We're all trying to pull from the same boat, and together we're going to be strong. Teach your children to, to be able to sympathize and empathize and to have emotion over what happened, and yet still to be able to know that this probably will not happen in their school. And one last question. Do you think that parents should generally offer counseling to children whether or not they think they need it? Should it just be an automatic thing? I think that's a very good question, Dr. Diane. I think that the children, that the schools definitely are going to provide something. You know, and I think that the the best way for the schools to to let things happen is to have the children uh, draw and talk and play and explain their emotions to themselves. The children talking to each other can be very healing. The only other thing I need to say, very important, is that the counselors that come in need to be familiar counselors. You know, we teach our children not to talk to strangers, and therefore when there is a crisis, you don't want them talking to strangers. So really the counselor or the teacher or the parent should be a familiar person that the the child is used to and that the child can express himself to, that the child will feel free to express himself to. Okay, so basically parents should be having conversation about what's going on, uh, letting the kids feel safe, but letting them know that dangers are out there and basically offering counseling as needed. As needed and child-appropriate, of course. You know, if you have a child of five and a child of ten, you know, the discussion will be different. You might not use the same terminology, but basically you're going to be able to express what did happen. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jenkins. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You take good care. Well, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me on. Okay. Bye-bye. Now, this tragedy reminds us that uh, life is just so short and so fragile, and we really should take moments of our lives. We shouldn't take it for granted. We really should take time to tell people and show people how much we love them, and really we should try to live the best life possible. Now, speaking of living the best life possible, my next guest is a success mentor. She's a motivational speaker and an author from Good to Great, 33 Days to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential and Living the Life of Your Dreams. And I actually got this book, and I have to say it's a keeper. I have with me Melissa Knox Bronson. Melissa, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. I got a hold of this book, and I have to say, I told you earlier, I I definitely think it's a keeper. I wondered as I was reading, what inspired you to write this book? Oh, well, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So it was uh, 2009, and 
I, I call 2009 the year of the Great Awakening because you know it, it used to. I used to say it was the year of my Great Awakening, but as I wrote the book and and began to speak and travel with the book, and as I began to evolve in my mentoring and my company. I heard so many stories from so many other women around the world, and 2009 was a very pivotal year for them as well. So in 2009, I really had this this moment in my life where I hit a brick wall, and it was as if um, all the cards, you know, this huge house of cards that I built just came crashing down. And just to give you a little background, I am originally from Florence, South Carolina, which is a very small town uh, here in South Carolina, and all my life I've always been searching for that more, searching for that thing, searching for my destiny, and that search really took me on some low lows and some high highs, and and long story short, I I would do a lot of things like um, I had a great career in pageantry for 10 years and uh, went on to college, the first in my family, graduated from there, and instead of going to law school, I went head first in becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own business. And just through all of those uh, circles and, and pitfalls and, and highs, in 2009 I got to a place where I was just really exhausted because it seemed like I had been searching for such a long time and I wasn't where I thought I should be. And at that time, I remember it was a particular day, I was sitting on my front porch, and it was ironic because the day was so beautiful, and yet I felt very depressed. As a matter of fact, I had just went to the doctor a couple weeks before, and they wanted to prescribe some depression medication. And I knew then, at that point, that it was really time to take a really deep look at what I was doing and what I really wanted. And so um, that particular day, I'm sitting on my front porch, and you know, again, everything is just falling down around me. And I just basically cried out to God, how do I get my big dreams, that big vision, those 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 big visions that I've been having since I was a little girl, that's always called to me. How do I get that out of my head and into my life? And now looking back, hindsight 2020, of course, what I was trying to say was how do I manifest my dreams? How do I get it out of my heart? into my life. And what came back to me almost in a flash was everything you've been through, everything that you've been through to get to this point in your life, write it all down. You're about to go to a new place. You're about to go from good to great. Mm. And that ended up becoming my first book. Wow, that is wonderful. Now you talk about searching for this destiny. I've met so many people, so many women and men who they're searching. Maybe they've accomplished many different things, but they just feel like this is not it. What do you think? Why, why do you think it's so challenging for people to find this it? Well, you know, lots of times, you know, we're using the word destiny, and lots of times people are looking for their purpose. What's my purpose? And that can be a really big task when you think about it because really in life, our purpose unfolds over time. Like none of us 
uh, come here knowing exactly what we're supposed to do. We may have some clarity, say, at 22 and get to 42, and it's evolved to something much bigger. And so when people go off looking for their purpose, it can be this huge, daunting task. And what I uh, tell the queens that I mentor is that instead of going for your purpose, follow your passion. Mm. And that's so much easier to do because passion is really all about emotion. You know how you feel. You know the things that suck the life out of you. And likewise, you know the things that make you light up just to think about it. Anything that makes you light up when you think about it, keep going in that direction. <laughs> you, know, well, life you know, but is, it doesn't always work because someone could get, they could light up about singing, but really they don't have the talent for it. So how well, does someone the, recognize, <laughs> reconcile the two things? But you know what? Really, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, as I as I do my work with mentoring queens again, anything that a person lights up about is a clue. And so again, you know, we're not necessarily looking for the big thing, like the big purpose, but you're you're following the path. And so I always say this life is like a treasure hunt, and those things that make you light up are like the golden nuggets that actually lead you to where you're supposed to be. I'll give you an example. Years ago when I was in college, I love to dance. I'm a dancer. Years ago when I was in college, I was watching this beautiful performance by this West African dance company. And uh, afterwards, they were holding auditions. Well, I went, I auditioned, I made it, I became a dancer in that company. And it was when, when I was dancing professionally in college that I met other people that led me to other things. I'm no longer a professional dancer, but being there and following that passion led me on to greater and greater things. So that's what I mean. It may not be the end-all, be-all, but you have to understand that finding who you are, it is a journey, and lots of times you want to make it a destination. And that can be very frustrating when you're trying to find the it when you just need to get on the path. That's wonderful. Now, you mentioned looking at things that make you light up. But what yeah. else can a person who's looking for their passion, what other things would you suggest that they do to get to that place? The number one thing, I would say the, the absolute first thing is two words, very simple but not easy, let go. Hmm. And that was so key for me at that time in my life in 2009 because at that time when I was feeling that that um, the pain of living beneath my potential, I had so much stuff in and around me. So we're talking about on the inside just um, resentments and, and just a lot of inner clutter. And, of course, what's on the inside of us manifests on the outside. So in my physical environment, a lot of clutter, um, a lot of bad relationships, a lot of opportunities that I was pursuing all at the same time, you know, being Jill of all trades, all of those things will actually steal your greatness. And when I begin to let go of those things and, and I really begin to be unafraid and just show up 100% as myself, it allowed me to see some things that were always there, but I never noticed them. I see. I see. Now, let's talk uh, specifically about your book itself. Now, this is a curious thing. I noticed that it says 33 days instead of the typical 30 days. And I'm curious, what is there any significance to this? There is. Uh, 33 is actually my favorite number, and it's my favorite number because 
for several different reasons. It's a very powerful number. It really signifies uh, the end of a journey, and we know that the end of one thing is just the beginning of another thing. So it really is a number that signifies transformation. So that's what the book is about, and so that's why I chose 33. Oh, wonderful. Now, uh, the GREAT, G-R-E-A-T, is an acronym. And what does that represent? So it's an acronym for operating in your God-given purpose, being resilient, empowered, authentic, and trust in divine timing. And I call these the five keys to ascended living because, you know, really with the book, the message that I wanted to get across was not only of uh, understanding who you are, who you are on higher and higher levels, but lots of times we want success, but we don't really understand what that means or what it takes. And so these were the five keys that I saw, not only in my own life, starting from where I was and, and getting to um, the, the the point where I began to write the book, but also studying very great and successful people, which I do all the time. I knew that, you know, your 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 uh, destiny was just a huge part of that, aligning with that was a huge part of really getting to that next level of greatness. I knew that being resilient, bouncing back, because really failure is the thing that will either make or break you. If you know how to move through that, on the other side of that is success. And so every key in this book is really about the core principles that you need in order to uncover and discover who you are on a very high level. Wow. And and I noticed, so each day you cover a different principle. And, for example, on day eight, you talk about the university of adversity. Yes. Can you expand <laughs> on that a little bit? Yeah, so definitely, you know, it's, it's all about when you step on this path again, you say, I want to live my dreams. I, I want to go for that big vision in my heart. I want to live full out. You know, a lot of the queens that I mentor are women who are already successful in the corporate world or in business, but they're looking for more. And lots of times they feel very um, very guilty because they have such a good life already, and they think that it's selfish to even ask for more. But whenever they decide to step on that path, you have to know that adversity is really the training ground for success. So stepping on that path it's, it's not to um, anticipate the worst happening. It's, it's not that, but you have to realize that when you're on that path to uh, realizing your highest potential, you're going to be tested with adversity because, as I say in day eight, it's really all about strengthening that courage muscle and, and, and strengthening your spirit in that way. And so when you step on that path, it's almost like you're also signing up for that university of adversity. Oh, wonderful. So my final yeah. question for you, for the people who are out there listening to you and they are on this path of finding their passion, what would you say they're leaving tonight? What should they do first? Well, it goes back to the the let go. It's just so important. You know, we're coming up on a new year in two weeks. I would say this is the perfect time to go through your house, especially the spaces where you are the most, to go through your house and to start to declutter some things, start to let go of some things, because greatness will simply not dwell in clutter. 
of any kind. And so what I do now, my mantra is, if it's not beautiful, useful, or meaningful, it has to go. And that's for everything on the inside as well as the outside. So a really great exercise is to pick one area in your house, your office, your bedroom, and just begin to go through it and just clear out some space. Everything that's good, everything that's uh, below that standard, get rid of that and leave some space for some great things in your life. Oh, that is a wonderful, wonderful tip. Now, Melissi, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Absolutely. They can find me at my website, www.thequeencode.com. That's T-H-E-Q-U-E-E-N-C-O-D-E, thequeencode.com. Wonderful. And, of course, your book, which, I, as I said, this is a definitely a keeper. I know Thank it's at Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, and other bookstores. Are they able to get it on your website as well? Yes. If you go to the website, uh, you can click on the, the link there, and it will take you straight to the order page. Thank you so much, Melissa Knox-Bronson, author of From Good to Great, 33 Days to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential and Living the Life of Your Dreams. I really appreciate you being on. Have a good Thanks night. Thanks for having me. You too. All right. Bye. Take care. And now for our health tip of the week. We are going to go to Victoria Crystal. Now, Victoria is uh, a hair growth uh, specialist. She's a hair growth ma um, expert, a master cosmetologist with over 34 years of hair care experience. And she's the author of My Hair Won't Grow. Victoria, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane. Thank you, Dr. Diane. How are you? I, I am fine, and uh, I'm honored uh, to be on your show. I'm very honored that you're here. What uh, healthy hair care tip do you have for us tonight? Um, there's a, a, a great question uh, among uh, African-American women, and the one is uh, what is the difference between moisturizing your hair and greasing it? Um, greasing your hair uh, actually has no recuperative value, uh, it just lays on the hair and it gives it a sheen. Whereas uh, moisturizers go into the hair. They go into the hair shaft and they actually help the hair. And it is one of the most important things for African Americans to do is to moisturize the hair. And um, the thing is that olive oil, is one of the great natural moisturizers, and there are others. There are other moisturizers, and uh, like shea butter. What you need to do is, if you don't use pure olive oil, find other products that have moisturizers such as olive oil and shea butter in them. But this is very, very important. Check the ingredient list. If those ingredients like olive oil or shea butter are not listed in the first two or three ingredients, it's probably not a lot in there. And if they're listed as the last two or three ingredients, do not buy it. Wow, those those are definitely um, great tips. So someone who's using the grease instead of what we consider to be moisturizer really isn't doing much for their hair then. 
Absolutely not, because for one thing, grease, if you imagine, when you think of grease, what it does, it you put it on your scalp, right then you've closed off the oxygen for your scalp. It will not breathe, therefore it will eventually fall out, and, it, and you will not reach maximum growth. Oh, this is this is really a good tip for many of us. Now, um, Victoria, where um, can we find out more information about uh, healthy hair care? I understand you have this wonderful book out there, and I'm going to get a hold of it. I know you'll be on our show for a full segment in January. Uh, where can viewer, uh, listeners get a hold of this book? You can go to www dot my hair won't grow dot com and order the book there and it will tell you how I got my hair from a pixie cut to my waistline in three years. And I've seen the picture so I know that it's true. Right, right. Right. Exactly. Okay. But you have All to right. follow it. That's right. Thank you so much, Victoria. And, of course, um, I will be talking to you in January when you'll be here for a full segment. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good night. So uh, we've come to the end of our show. What a wonderful show it's been. I do want to thank my guest host, Dr. Sarah Jenkins. She's always full of really good information. I'd like to thank my guest, Melissa Knox Bronson. You really should go out and get that book. I am reading that book currently, and as I said, it definitely is a keeper. And I also want to thank Victoria Cristal for her uh, hair care tip of the week. And this has been another episode of Healthcare with Dr. Diane. And as I said, this show is designed to inform and inspire you to great health. Uh, please join us next week. On Sunday, same time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And at that time, we're going to be talking about healthy eating for the holiday. And my guest will be Dr. Hume Johnson, so you don't want to miss that. And, of course, you, the, the link here is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Dr. Diane Thompson. Or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com, Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Remember, strive to be happy, healthy, and wise. Have a great evening, everyone.